Welcome to Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast where we talk about anything and everything family law related. Welcome to another episode of Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast with me, Alex, and my fellow family lawyer, Liza. Liza. Hi. Hi. I thought we might talk about some general hints and tips for people who may be about to go through a separation, maybe are going through separation, how they can keep their costs down, how they can get through the whole process as easily as possible um, and hopefully as quickly as possible. So rather than focusing upon you know the legal lives that we live all the time with procedures and cases and rules and forms, just talking about things that people might do if they're thinking about separating. And look, the, the first thing I wrote down when I thought about this was, are you really ready to separate? Have you contemplated reconciliation? Yeah, because not every fight or dispute, disagreement, whatever it is, is going to end in a separation. I heard, um, I was talking to a friend of mine this morning and she said, oh, have you heard that such and such was saying to, you know, about this other person that they're separating and... And I just said, well, are they? Are they really separating or did they just have a fight, you know? Yeah, it can be a situational dynamic, can't it? Where, yep. like, you know, it's like the cat and dog type relationships, they're very different. Um, I've certainly had clients of mine that have come in and it's absolutely, definitely this time, let's get moving, we're going to move on, we're going to file here, file there. And then the next time you talk to them in a few weeks' time, oh, no, we're all fine, we're all yep. back together. But if, if you are not sure about separating, then... My advice on that would be to try and reach out to you know, f- your friends, your family, your support network, talk it through. Be very clear about your decision and before you make some sort of irrevocable announcement and determination. Maybe get some, some couples counselling, maybe go and see a family therapist, contact Relationships Australia. They do all sorts of communication with people to try and improve that. Yeah. It's a big One step to take. I think, I think too, um, what a lot of people don't do and they seem to forget how to do, is to talk to each other. So I know that we're talking, saying, well, you know, I'm assuming that in most cases you've you've probably tried talking, you've probably, you know, been even to the extent of perhaps yelling or there's been being getting ignored or whatever the case may be. But, you know, try and make that time. So set aside a moment, you know, everyone's leading busy lives, you've got kids, um, try and make sure that you set aside that time to say, okay, look, let's take stock of where we are in our lives. What do we want? Um, make sure that those, you know, when you got married or when you got together, you probably had a lot in common. You probably had an idea of where you wanted to go. And, and But sometimes these things change and you can't really help that. So it's always an idea to make sure that you're on the same path because if you're on the same path still, but there's just a few disagreements, then it may not be necessary for you to actually separate. Because separation is a very final thing. It is. It, look, it, it sort of casts me back when you say, "Why don't you talk to each other?" It's a, the, do you, you obviously remember John Mortimer, the the late QC, who mm. wrote all the Rumpole books, and one yep. of those was the divorce case. It was Rumpole and the Married Lady, all to do with a couple who had for for years, what three years or so, only communicated by leaving messages to each other, mm. written written pieces of paper on the kitchen table, and so on. And they they moved to a divorce, and there's Rumpole on one side and his friend George Frobisher on the other. And then as the case develops, it becomes apparent these people actually still love one another. 
they haven't been communicating because the notes are increasingly acerbic. And the, it turns out and transpires that the author of those notes was their son, who was benefiting by having presents <laughs> from both parents okay. and was enjoying, you know, the, the attention of both yeah. of them singularly. But um, communication is the key. Uh, you know? In this day of text and oh, emails and all the other bits and pieces, the way that people communicate these days, very few will sit down face to face and have a little chat. And it's really, and I know, I, I'm. All the time. We're all guilty We've of fub- got, fubbing, you know, isn't it? Like, when you okay, your phone yep, out and you're too busy, somebody. too busy. I'll just send them a text. I'll just, you know, send them a text that pass this message on. Oh, you know, can you stop doing this or whatever? Uh, you know, um, mm. stop doing that. Stop doing that sort of behaviour and, and put, just put get your in phone front of down them. down and go out for a walk. <laughs> yeah, get in front of them and, and have a chat. Like, just talk turn, to people. Turn off the TV or turn off the screen these yeah. days, yeah. Get a babysitter. <laughs> get a life outside of, of screens and yep. sometimes outside of the children because that could be a big draw. Yeah, that's that's my problem. But this this isn't <laughs> this isn't of course a sort of a yeah. necessarily a relationship or dating advice no. podcast, but it's a it's a, a thing that we need to contemplate when we're talking to people that come to see us for the first time. It's you know often is the relationship really over? Have you sat down? Have you talked about it? Is there anything that could be done to res- rescue the relationship? If you're talking about a long term relationship and maybe there are children involved, then Make sure that your mind is properly set and you know what's coming. Well, I had a chat to someone the other day just on that. Um, they didn't have any kids. They're only fairly new to the relationship. And they're, they're, it's, he, this fellow is quite a young person and um, you know, no kids, no real property yet, but is still seeing those red flags in, in relation to that relationship. Um, and what I've said to him is that you, know, you really need to think about what are, what are your long-term goals and if it's... If they're in line with her long-term goals, then great. But if you can see that there's a great potential, if you're both just a very highly volatile couple, for whatever, and some mm. people are, it might be an idea to think about getting a, a prenup in place yeah. while things are good. Yeah, that's I, I, ironically, I've got one right now where there's a couple who, they're on rocky ground, let's put mm. it that way. They're still together. But you know, our fellow is thinking, oh... I don't want this to become worse. Yeah. If it, if we break up and then we end up in a horrible court battle, I don't want to do that. And I don't think that the lady can send us either. So we're just trying to just in case paper. The, the, yeah. the prenup, well, in that case, it's sort of during a relationship, which you yeah. can do as well. Yeah. You know, go and have a chat with, with your family lawyer and they'll point you in the right direction as to which agreement will work for you. But there's one for all relationships pretty well. It yep. doesn't matter whether you're married, doesn't matter whether you're de facto, whether you've started living together, whether you've finished living together. You can capture... All those things that would otherwise be dealt with in a nasty property court case by a private agreement. You can do that. Yep. But you've got to make sure that you get your family lawyer to draft it for you. Wills are for the dead and prenups are for you when you're living. Although, without getting into a succession podcast, <laughs> you can always have contracts to make mutual wills and things oh, like that. Oh, yes. So. Well, anyway. All right. Uh, okay. So let's, let's roll it forward just a little bit now that you know, we perceive that's it. The relationships run its course and, and we're going to separate. But we, we're we not under any kind of sense of great danger. There's no safety or urgency issues that would just mean you haven't just got to go in the middle of the night and run and start from there. Yeah. This is sort of a more thought-out process. Um, obviously, I'm bound to say, and I dare say you would too, pick up the phone, make an appointment, go and see a family law solicitor, somebody to give you specific advice about where you might stand. Yep, They can talk to you about what the arrangements would be about making a divorce application, 
They can talk to you about who's going to get what in terms of the property that you own together, what the arrangements might be for the kids, whether anybody's going to be paying each other maintenance or not. You can talk about those things so you have a good general understanding of how the land of the law lies and where you might fit into all of that before you do anything irrevocable. Um, the other people that um, I think it might help you to talk to, I mean, if you're a business person, you probably want to have a chat with your accountant because mm-hmm. you might have set up your business with trusts involved or you know proprietary limited companies where both of you are directors and shareholders. So you've got to think about how you might unravel yourselves from each other's financial lives in a way that's fair to both of you and it's practical. People, people don't realise how intermingled their financial affairs are until you start getting into, into yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's not until you go through that separate. And the, the clearer the communication with your accountant, with your lawyer, then the, the easier things will be. I'm not going to say it's easy, but the easier they will be than if things are just left and they lurch along and nobody's too sure. Mm. Um, where you have a matter with you know, family trusts or self-managed super funds, things can get very expensive to unravel very quickly. And that gets to be a bit of a difficulty. Um, If you've got kids, then at some stage you're going to have to tell the children about what's going on. Now, neither of us are qualified psychologists nor family counsellors, but we deal with people like that all the time. And we go um, through the court processes with our clients a lot and the pre-court processes and and non-court as well. But what are some of the points and pointers or tips that you might give to a parent that's coming to ask you, how do I tell the children about this? Well, Apart from get some advice from a counsellor. Yeah. Um, th- well, that would be my first one is to actually get some professional help in that regard. But sometimes it depends on how old the kids are and things like that. But um, I always think honesty, um, not brutal honesty, that, that honesty where it's, you know, they, you don't, they don't need to know um, absolutely every detail, but just the, um, you know, mummy and daddy are, going to live apart for a while and and things like that is you know um it it is very tricky because um as a lawyer we're not really meant to try and get our clients to involve the kids in their parenting dispute but at the same time um there needs to be that level of honesty and respect and just let them know because mm. it's it's very confusing for kids like well and, what's going on why am know, i yeah, it's, it's like, oh, all of a sudden daddy was here sleeping next to mummy and now daddy doesn't come home anymore. So they, they are going to need some assistance. So you're going to need to probably explain things to them. Mm. If you don't know um, how um, your child's going to receive it, say your child might have some special needs, there might be some autism or something like that, um, it, it's definitely recommended that you um, go with someone and, and speak to someone first before you approach that because that can of course um, create huge problems Mm. for a child in that sort of situation Um, kids that are really little they're usually a bit more resilient than the others they'll just go okay it's just yeah it's just a slightly different change but and of course when parents separate when children are very very young Mm. then those children grow up and that's all that they've known that's that's the normal for them yeah it's more the children who are of say that primary type school age yeah. and, and it comes as a shock to them that there could be some you know maybe get some structural building around that and that could be talking to school counsellors it could be if if you have a, a doctor get a referral to a psychologist if you think that's necessary yeah um family and friends of course are going to be your first port of call and, mm. and they'll gauge whether the children have already twigged there's something going on high school type children 
they're probably going to be fairly intuitive as to what's happening they'll in their know. parents' and relationship. They'll, they'll have probably expected it. Yeah, and they yeah, they will have friends who will have been through this. It won't be the great shock or surprise, perhaps, that you're expecting. But I really I like your suggestion about the school counsellors and, and having that school on side because as long as... See, it's a, it's a very disruptive time for everyone in the family. So one thing that you really need to be doing is communicating with that school so that the school knows what's going on so that they can, you know, just... Pay a bit of attention, see what's happening, see if there's any yeah, concerns Yeah, and if the, if the kid's acting out, then they'll understand the reasons behind it a little bit more. Yeah. So the kids won't sort of get into a spiral of trouble. It's helpful to, if you have a good relationship with your, schools, uh, sorry, with your school and with the teachers that your kids have got, then have a chat to them directly. Uh, and that's you know, both mum and dad. I'm not saying that one person should be doing this behind the other person's back. I'm saying... It should be a collaborative approach where possible yep. so that the children can be sort of worked through this as much as the adults. As adults, I'm going to advise you to go rely heavily on your own personal support network. You know, what do they say? Everybody's got a village. You know, yep. Get out there and, and talk to you know, your family, talk to your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your best mate. Make sure that you've got somebody to unload your worries to because just talking about them can probably help get some context around them. It gets harder when people are on their own in different you know, towns or if they're remote, or in which case then reach out to some of the help services that you know you get from the family relationship centres. There's lots of community centres as well that um, if you contact libraries, the library, they'll often put you in touch with um, a lot of different community groups for yeah, those sorts of... Libraries um, are a brilliant resource, actually. Yeah. You can go into a library and get an awful lot of information about some of the you know the, the areas of the law and the cross. And they law. don't just have books these days. They've got computers and everything. So they, you don't have to don't. feel like you're going backwards in time. It's, you oh, know, well, I'm got all for spruiking libraries. I, I, I use ours on the Gold Coast here all the time. I'm, yeah. I'm a big supporter of them. Um, and you'll, you'll find a lot of resources available for free in the community out there. We, we're very fortunate on the Gold Coast. There are some excellent community legal centres. Mm. And that's a place that you might think about going to. Look, if you're just thinking about it and not sure where to go first or next, want to talk to somebody who knows a little bit about the law, you could find yourself at a community legal centre you know, here on the coast. We have them operating by uh, Rabina Libraries, actually, um, Thursday evenings, I believe it is still. Uh, and that's a free drop-in service there. And there are others available, not, not just that one. I'm not spooking that one in particular. But get some help in the community legal services before you start formalising things and getting your lawyers to write letters to his or her lawyers and all of that. Yeah, I, look, I, I'm not a big fan of um, having these lawyer letters. I know that it's ironic because I'm a lawyer. but <laughs> I know, and I've, got um, a, I've got a long one to write. But <laughs> the thing is, I, I think, um, you know, it's actually been a little bit refreshing lately. I've had a number of people um, where I've been representing someone um, the other party hasn't been represented and they're fairly amicable. It's fairly early days of that separation sort of stage. And, you know, I, I've said to my client, well, I don't plan to um, create more of a fuss for you and I want to make this into a fight. It's not a fight now. It doesn't need to become a fight just because I've got involved. And let's try and, um, you know, collaborate with that other party and say, look, let's see what we can come up with and on a, on a real nice, um, in a nice manner, in a nice framework, you know, so that we're not the, the big scary, getting these big long le- letters mm. that, you know, that says we demand and this is what you've only done this and you've only done that and you set out all this procedural history and of course <laughs> that both parties are going to think, 
that they're right in terms of, and their their memory is more correct than the other, and there's it no point. It becomes a fight, doesn't it, for it, no real reason. It turns everybody there's no into point opposition. Doing that, um, I I wrote a letter the other day saying, you know, um, both parties have different versions of the of the historical facts, but I'm not going to repeat them, and nor am I. You know, no, are we going to entertain any of that sort of? discussion it's about let's just try and find a resolution yeah, and, and we both know that if you do get into that sort of positional fight and it goes all the way down to a final hearing yeah. in a court two years and a hundred thousand dollars from now yep. then a judge is not going to make a decision about who was telling the truth about what happened on aunt mabel's no, christening right. or what have you it makes it, no, no difference, difference at, at all. all they'll decide things that are relevant to getting an outcome for property issues and parenting issues yep. they are not going to be Making judgment over who was, you know, who was the villain of the piece and different family events. It's not that. It's like that at all. Yeah. So it's really important to, if you're engaging that lawyer at the start for that assistance, try and uh, put some boundaries in place and say, mm. look, I really want to keep this nice. I, I don't. I don't want, advice. and yep. I don't want you as my lawyer to be writing these nasty letters um, with a positional tone. I, I don't want any of that. I want it to be stress free. And not not be there to frighten or harass or do anything that's going to make the other side feel uncomfortable. I want mm. them to feel that they can read your letter and go, "Oh yeah, that makes sense." Yeah, that's the that's the approach that really that you should be asking your lawyer to take. Yeah, funnily enough, I was going to get onto this. I'll jump ahead to it now. Oh, actually, sorry. Which is Arbon Legal is proud to sponsor Split Happens. You will be in safe hands with Arbon Legal. For all your family law needs, call us on 07-5562-0444 or visit our website at arbonlegal.com.au. If you're looking at this sort of the world of of separation and you've got to tie up things legally... Uh, you've got to work out who's going to keep what property. There's going to be transfers need to be done. Maybe somebody has to buy somebody out. and It could be super splitting and all sorts of things. That's before you talk about the children. But that all sounds like it's going to cost a bunch of money. And, mm. it, and it can cost you, yep. as I mentioned a few minutes ago there, if you go to a trial, the, the pair of you could spend two years fighting back and forth and easily get through $100,000 by the time it's all finished in yep. legal fees. It's insane. Fees, barristers' fees, experts' fees court filing fees, court hearing fees. It, the list is endless almost of what you can spend money on through the, through the legal process. So how would you suggest that somebody keeps their costs down? Some good tips and hints around keeping well, your legal fees down. First of all is try and keep it amicable. I know that it's easier said than done and people are going to have disagreements about what they want at the end of it. But let's take it back to that time when... You know, you didn't have that hatred or that distrust for each other. Try and get yourself to that position where you think, okay, there was once upon a time when we were able to talk, we were able to get along, we were able to agree on things. We we able to we, you know find those. Get back yeah. to that point we where we laughed you, together and we loved together once. Yeah. So there's something find within those relationships. There is there, and there, it will still be somewhere that you can tap into, so that you can look at it from that perspective and go, okay, right. What I like to do is I like to explore it from the other person's perspective. I don't like to say, okay, right, well, here's, here is my, um, my position. I am, my lawyer has told me that I'm entitled to this. Ooh. Any lawyer who There's says... There's the word. 
I was reading something the other day. There was someone mentioned something about being in a correspondence being supremely confident. <laughs> and I just <laughs> went, oh, okay. Clearly that's um, that's a very junior lawyer who hasn't really had any that. experience at all because any lawyer that knows what they're doing is never supremely confident that the court's no. going to find a particular way. An old barrister colleague of mine always talks about there's no such thing as the unwinnable case, there's no such thing as the unlosable yep. case. You think you're going to get one you outcome You learn that judge. pretty early in your career. You do. You think, well, that went really well. I can't wait for the yep. judgment. Oh, my God, it's a disaster. Yep. So remain so, remain cordial, as you yeah, say. I mean, Just just get, be nice. and, and look You don't at have it from to like them. No, you but don't. You just have to be polite and explore where they're coming from. Understanding yeah. what their position, what understanding, well, not so much their position, but understanding their interests. Yeah. If you understand what their interests are, and that they understand yours, um, you're of, often going to try and be able to find a bit of common ground. Yeah. What's driving and can, them? And then you can narrow those issues. And it's it's really like it's it's not so in in a lot of litigation type cases like commercial litigation. It's a very positional style set of bargaining, you know. Mm. You've got insurer or, or whoever, I always say insurers because... Your the, PI background. I, I just can't stand them. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyone anyone who knows me knows that. Um, in terms, except my public, my um, professional indemnity insurer, I love them very much. Obviously, yeah, we, um, we all do. Um, but anyway, um, so you've got, you know, one party bit 100, the other party is at 200, you know that at the end of the day it's going to probably settle at about 150 or thereabouts because that's just they just chip away at each other's sides. So it's a similar principle in terms of when you're talking about negotiating and trying to keep these costs down, you're trying to chip away at all the other issues that crop up and you go, right, well, we can agree on this part, we can agree on that part. Mm. And then as, it, as the day progresses or the – not the day, but as the time progresses and you narrow the issues that are in dispute, then you go, oh, We've only got this one little issue to talk about. It's only about what what is the percentage of the proceeds of sale of the home. You've now even come so far as agreeing to sell the home. It's just about what's the agree the agreed mm. percentage of the proceeds of sale. It's a very very small amount. So then you're and then in mo- most cases there's not going to be that much of a difference in in money. And so you've you've been able to that whole way when you've adopted an what I call a bit more of an interest-based approach at negotiation rather than a positional approach, you've been able to narrow all your, your issues um, for a fraction of the cost. You haven't had to go down this whole litigation path. You haven't had to mm. file proceedings and going to affidavits saying, you know, to justify your position. Because once you say it in an affidavit, I said this to my opponent the other day, I said, I'm refusing to put on an affidavit by my client because it's, you know, the other party is a, a family member mm. that he, you know, related by blood. Well, I'm not going to get him to put, a, put on an affidavit these things. That once he says it, he can't unsay it. And it's, it's out actually there going forever, to, isn't it? It's going to make it, it, it so much worse beyond the proceedings that it, you really need to just keep on that, keep on that exploration, those mm. interests, um, keep it nice. Uh, and I think you, you used that word that I went ooh to a minute ago, which was entitled. When somebody has a sense of entitlement, uh. it's probably come from a place where somebody has told them, yep. hey, you should get this, you should get that. Mm. And one thing I, I often say to people is, look, your next door neighbour, your brother, your friend, the person on Facebook that you worked with 20 years ago, their lives, their experiences, their family arrangements and setups are all unique to them. Don't expect 
that what happened in their case will happen in your case. Yep. It's very nuanced. Yeah. Everybody's cases is, is diff- are, are different. So bloke says in pub is not a good, you know, reliable guide as to what's going forward. Your family law solicitor will deal with hundreds of cases and they will be familiar with what the range of settlements are likely to be. My advice is listen to that advice and act on it early on. Get a settlement organised. Grit your teeth if you have to. Mm. Give something away if you have to. Ticket to freedom. Buy your ticket to freedom, yeah. There you go. That could be the episode title. Mm. Um, write, that, write that one down for our, <laughs> our, our beloved producer, Matt. Um, but my, my thoughts too are never become too entrenched about things. And if you become emotionally attached to property, whether it's real estate, a car, a painting, anything, it's just a thing. Mm. Things can be replaced. Yep. Your, you know, your mental wealth, your mental welfare, the health of your family, those things can't be. Those are the things you've got to really focus on. Make sure that you're okay. Make sure your kids are okay. And be mindful that the other person should be okay too. If they're the, if they're the father or the mother of your children, you don't want them in a dark place. No. You want them to be okay as much as you, know, you can be in a post-relationship universe. So you know, don't be vindictive. Don't be spiteful. Be always commercial. Take your solicitor's advice. Mm. If you feel that your solicitor is, um, how can I put it, what are you saying, positional, you know, so they are very much a black and white. Yeah. No, no, you must you get You are this. entitled to 65%. You will get, and, no, and not a cent less. Well, maybe that person hasn't been through the ringer themselves or hasn't yeah. done it very often. Uh, and they maybe are being too positional for you because fighting over that 5% difference could cost you 25% of the whole pool. Yeah. So be careful. Okay, but... We've talked about ideally when you're getting on mm-hmm. okay, you're fairly cordial, you can be polite to the other person. but And that, that, that might be the case, but maybe they just drag their heels over everything. They're super slow and they won't sort of come to the table or they won't give you information. And so you, you're struggling to make progress with it. You've worked out what the property is. You've done your little balance sheet mm-hmm. and you figure out that. But they just won't communicate effectively and they, they're sort of hiding. They don't want it to be dealt with. It's too hard. Any sort of hints and tips as to how you could bring that person to the party? Oh, there's there's the obvious one. It's just file. <laughs> yeah, I knew you'd say that. The ex-barrister kind yeah, of. Yeah, here you we say, go. File was, in a court. I was going to say get in touch with a mediator and have them oh, reach well, that, out. Yeah, that's fine. You've got to do that anyway. You have to do that anyway. But I know but, you, but, I can um, see you filing your knife over there. Yeah, you could you could sell, You could could just tell that that's exactly where I was going with that. File. <laughs> I set that File in a, a court. Look. It's the obvious it, thing to do. If you're it's the obvious nowhere. thing to do. But the problem is... It, all you're really doing is you're filing to get in the queue because yeah. it's going to take, in most cases, if people are dragging their feet, if it's a property case, for example. Yeah. Um, that's an easy yeah, I'm, one to I'm not talk talking about. about urgent things to do with kids. No, I'm no, talking about no. like a property this settlement. Just a property where they settlement, just, right? They just won't, won't get on with this it. Is the, this is more common than you think and it's really difficult because you've got to spend all that money preparing all the documents and yep. filing in a, in a, um, in a court for the court to then say, okay, cool. Well, we'll be see you back here in another 10 months. Yeah, it's, it is crazy. For another mention. The distance between court dates is quite startling when you, if you're un, so, unaccustomed to it. Yeah. And you go, oh my goodness me, we've got our first return date, say two or three months after the date that we filed proceedings and we mm. filed everything and maybe they haven't filed anything because they will ignore it till the last minute. Yep. Get there on that first return date. The other side might be told to file some documents within a fortnight or, yeah. or a month. And then they don't. And they don't, but you don't have another court hearing maybe for another three months. Yep. So then you can't, and then you go back and whinge to the, the court about 
them not doing those things and they've only just done it about a week ago. So you need more time to do something else. And then the court says, oh, I think this matter really needs to go to mediation, doesn't it? And you know, at, at which point you, you, you're furiously agreeing because, of course, it like, does. But you just couldn't get them there but in the first place. No. Well, I mean, I had a, a mediation that was ordered by a court the, um, in June and we turned up on the morning and mm. I'm there with, with my client and his support person and I get a phone call from the solicitor on the other side saying, oh, yeah, not coming. I've just been fired the night before and it was a public holiday. Couldn't tell anybody so there'll be nobody oh, here. Dear. Mediator's going... Well, I'm sorry, but I'm booked out for the day. I'm here for you people, and yeah, what a waste of absolute time. So, horses and water. Sometimes yeah. you have to file. Yeah, Sometimes right. mediation isn't going to work. Yep. But m- honestly, most of the time it will. Yeah. Most things will settle before yep. you ever get to a final hearing. So. Whilst we talk about tens of thousands of dollars in legal costs, sometimes hundreds of thousands, that can be the case if you fight over every last scrap and thing. Mm. I mean, Pick we, your battles. Yeah, I mean, we talked about the Strand case you know, a few episodes back where people spent tens of millions of dollars on legal fees and, and we can weep and we can mm. flick through BMW brochures, but you know, I'm, I don't really <laughs> ever want a client of, of ours to go through that kind of decade-long, excoriatingly expensive process. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So... If you have to push the other person by starting proceedings, do that. Mm. But ideally, you know, try everything beforehand. You know, get your lawyer to write them nice letters. Get mediators involved, third-party approaches. Come up with a different idea. You might have a a, a shared accountant, for example, and you maybe need to sort things out business. Have a meeting about that. Whatever you can do to try and bring the process along, you should do. Um, And only as a last resort then, as the pre-action procedures tell us, should you file in court. But if you're going to file... Get on with it and do it. That's right. Get in that queue. Get in. Um, but then when you're in that queue, don't think that you've got to create issues. Now, the amount of times that I've seen people, they they file and then all of a sudden they want they want to have a fight about disclosure. They want to have a fight about this. They want to have a fight about that. You don't if you don't if that's not an issue, just sit tight and you don't spend anything. Don't do any work. Don't instruct anyone to do anything. Just waiting, waiting your turn. Yeah, you've done your you've exchanged your disclosure documents you've had a mediation it hasn't settled you now have to wait your 10 months or however long before the compliance and readiness hearing to then say yes we want a trial date for it then to go back to a another date to get and then get the trial date yep. uh, oh and don't forget you'll be probably compelled along the way to try family dispute resolution again yep, another um, one another one and i know i'd still be advocating to my clients just continue to make offers yeah because at some point it'll probably settle that's you, right you'll get to that point of Everybody knows how much everything's worth, all the valuations in, all the experts' reviews are in, the disclosures all sorted. We know where this is going to finish. Put the offer in and make it a reasonable one. Be, as I said before, be commercial. Anything you do to try and get these things finished and keep your bills down, be commercial. It's it's like like with that ticket, as I call it, the ticket to freedom. So it's not just because your lawyer might have said, oh, I think there's a range here between 50 to 60%. Um, of what's reasonable or something like that, you might be adamant that you will take no less than 60%. But if you know that it's not, you're not going to be heard for another um, two years, you're not going to get to a trial date, mm. um, y- you know, it might be, and you're going, to ex- you're going to spend money in order to get that money, it may be worth your while thinking, okay, right, well, what I like to call, a, you know, you, you call it, the, I'm going to swear here, Turn your volume down if you've got kids around. Um, it's called the di- the dickhead deduction. <laughs> so you just reduce your amount that you're willing to take off because you're dealing with a dickhead 
who just won't come to the party, mm. but you just want this over and done with. Okay, so if you want to have, if you want to have um, this over and done with, sometimes there's a price, and if you're willing to pay that or compromise on it, yeah, then that's your choice. Think and, of it as an expedition th- fee. You know, yeah. you, you're, it's, it's like jumping the, the queue. More, at, that's the more polite way of putting yeah. it. It's the way of jump, jumping the queue at, at Movie World or something, isn't it? Where they, yeah, you grind your teeth and think, how, how shall I? I paid a fortune for this ticket. Why should I pay an extra fortune to get to the front of the queue? And then you look at yep. the queue and think, that's why. Yeah. So, you know, there are ways around it. So you can look at it and go, oh, is it really? Do I really want to fight this? Do I really? Am mm. I just prepared just to take this amount? Because, you so know, maybe there, is, there the, is value yeah. in having something over and done with now. So a couple of very different ways of speeding up the process. One, jump off to court. If they're not doing anything and mm. they're ignoring you, jump off to court just... Get it, get it on the conveyor belt, that, yep. that lovely conveyor belt where everybody gets to be made into a pie at the end of it. Mm. And then, alternatively, uh, or maybe concurrently, give the other person a really good offer. Yep. Really good offer the, uh, where they would be a mug to turn it down. Yep. Set you up. Set yourself Set you up, up for costs. You can get maybe get a cost order from the court at the end of it because the court will turn around to them and, to use your expression, um, there is the dickhead that is going to be made to pay the costs. Yep. Sorry, I should have given you a warning to turn down the volume there as well, but <laughs> my apologies. Okay, so we've got processes in and around going to court. We've got processes before going before going to court. And talk to your family lawyer, talk to your accountants, talk to your psychologist if you need some support for the children around that. Um, if you've got any questions that you know we haven't covered in this, and this is a very general sort of topic today, um, then please let us have a, an email, drop us an email to the podcast and we'll take those up. Negotiating an outcome with, with somebody is always going to give you a better outcome. It'll be quicker. It'll be within the range because if it's going to be made as court orders, it has to be. Mm. The courts cannot make orders that are unfair. Then They don't have the power to do that. So you do have that as a safety net. If you, want to, if you really want to throw yourself under the bus and make a bad bargain, You'll have to do that with a private agreement. Yep. So don't feel that by putting out there a very good offer to the other side and then that the court suddenly approve it, you go, oh, it was such a good offer. But remember, the court would have approved it. Mm. And you're out of it and you're yep. moving on. And if you haven't been idiots to each other and, and written nasty things in affidavits, then you've got a chance of sort of maintaining a cordial relationship. And, you know, maybe you will dance the funky chicken together and, and your kid's 25th wedding anniversary in the future. You never know. Mm. That'd be fun. All right. Well, thanks very much for listening to Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast with me, Alex, and my family law colleague, Liza. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast. If you want to hear more of our episodes, you'll find us wherever you find your podcasts on all good 